It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Today, we've got a lot to talk about. The Reds won. Joey Votto helped lead the team to a big win over the Cubs Tuesday night at Wrigley Field. We're going to talk about that and... We're going to talk about the Reds' first trade of trade deadline season where they got players back. Yeah, they made a trade already where they traded a minor leaguer for cash. But now they have some players. They have relievers, two of them. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's play that intro graphic. On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joseph Daniel Votto was all over the field last night, making plays with the glove, hitting two home runs, his first multi-homer game. Since 2017. Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. If you are already a subscriber, I want to thank you very much. If you're not, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss anything I've got for you about the Cincinnati Reds each and every day. And if you're following along on the podcasting app, thank you very much. If not, make sure you hit that follow button, whether it's Apple Podcasts, if it's Spotify, I or uh, Google Play, Stitcher odyssey app all that good stuff make sure you're following along on the podcast app you can also follow me on twitter at jeff carr with three f's and follow the show at locked on reds and save the locked on reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159 and give me some reactions to the trade that the reds just made we're going to talk about that here in just a minute the reds getting two relief pitchers from the new york yankees for a player to be named later. We're also going to break down what exactly the whole player to be named later idea is. All right. The Reds got a victory last night on the road at Wrigley, getting back at the Cubs after that walk-off win from Javier Baez, which I don't know. I didn't even want to talk about it whenever it happened. I thought it was weird. I get it. Baez and Garrett got beef, and that was all. That was Baez directed at Amir Garrett. That was not like Baez trying to show up the Reds. That was Baez trying to show up Amir Garrett. And it's interesting because there was a post-game interview after um, one of the last times that Amir Garrett got the better of Javier Baez. And, and it was the, or actually this was the one after Anthony Rizzo, whenever Baez jumped the railing. And he said, he's like, it's supposed to be about your team. It's supposed to be about your team winning. He made it personal. And I thought that that was bad. It's about your team winning. That's what Javier Baez said in his post-game interview. Well, then what was that? He was all personal in on Amir Garrett. It, there's going to be beef with these guys for a while because both of them, I still expect, are going to have a nice career because some people like to uh, harp on what has been going down with Amir Garrett here recently. And the truth of the matter is he's actually been pretty good. He's only given up three earned runs in his last 18 appearances. 
we might be seeing him turning a corner for good, hopefully. But the good news was they won last night. Garrett got the save, got a measure of revenge, and I was happy with the fact that he didn't go crazy with the uh, celebration afterward. The Reds get the win. Let's get back into the locker room and let's come back out and do it tomorrow. That's kind of what that was. The performance of the day, though, I mentioned him at the top of the podcast, was Joey Botto. Absolute bombs he hit off of Adbert Alzali. His second home run was 114 miles an hour off his bat. It was an absolute rocket. And according to StatCast and the exit velocity metric, since its existence from 2015 to now, that's the hardest hit ball Joey Votto's ever had. That is amazing to know. You talk about a career renaissance for our man Joey. It's been absolutely phenomenal, but I love exactly everything that he's brought to the table this year. Plus, you have that amazing play that he makes, leaning over the Cubs tarp in foul territory, making the catch, and then dude tries to score from third for the Cubs, but Joey just pops right back up. It's almost as if Joey knew what was going to happen. Maybe Joey's a wizard. Maybe he's a Jedi. Maybe he can see, he can feel the force flowing through him. And that's exactly what happened because he pops right back up and throws a strike to Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson had enough time to set himself up, catch that ball, make a sandwich, eat it, take a nap, and then apply the tag and get the double play. That was a fantastic play by Joey Votto and probably the biggest play of the game. I mean, obviously scoring runs are huge, but at that point it was second and third with one out. And Goody, while he was as good as he needed to be, and he did well to pitch six and a third, he still struggled, and the Cubs basically had runners on the base every single inning, I think except the fifth. I think the fifth was the only inning he went one, two, three. So all night you're just like wringing your hands trying to be like, please, Goody, hold on. He was able to, and the bullpen was too except for Edgar Garcia, but yeah, whatever. I think we kind of know what he is. Uh, I love Kyle Farmer as well. Kyle Farmer with a couple of great defensive plays and three hits again, his second time in the last five games. He's got a five-game hitting streak going 10 games of his last 11. He's had at least one hit, like three multi-hit games in his last 11 games. He has looked phenomenal and is basically telling the Reds, you don't need a shortstop. Get us some bullpen help. I'm fine. I'll last the rest of the year because ultimately that's what we're talking about. I know there's lots of people that want the Reds to go out and get Trevor Story. There's been some talk about Trey Turner. There's been some talk about Andrelton Simmons. There was some kind of rumor about the Reds going after Nick Ahmed from the Diamondbacks, and I don't know why they do that. His stats are worse than Kyle Farmer's. But – Kyle Farmer just has to last to the end of the year because the job is Jose Barrero's next year. This isn't a situation where we're like, all right, um, we need multi-year shortstop option here. Barrero's going to take and run with it next year. So you just need a dude for the last couple of months if you're going to get this run. The Reds are a week worth of wins and Brewers losses away from taking first place. Yes, that is a pretty steep hill to climb, but if they make the moves to do it, if they sustain this bullpen, I think they can do it because they've got a pretty talented team. Also, you had a couple of guys getting in on the action, like Eugenio Suarez. You had Aristides Aquino helping with some insurance runs late in the game. It was good to see on the lineup side. This lineup can help you. You just need to make sure you get some bullpen guys in there that can help you too. 
it might have uh, at least started down that road. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Before we talk about that, though, I wanted to let you know that today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. What used to be a locker room, Spotify acquired and turned it into the green room. You can talk sports with people like me. You've got media professionals, you've got journalists, players, coaches, and all the fans that you can think of. Whether you're talking Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, which is coming up, spring training is like now. Uh, there's all kinds of great stuff going on at Locker Room. Download it today, set up your profile, and link it to your Twitter account. And follow me, at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And you can get notified when I go live. I promise I've been saying it's going to happen for a while and life keeps getting in the way. I'm going live on Green Room tomorrow, pregame before the Cubs, Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We are going to talk Reds, Cubs, trade deadline, everything on the Spotify Green Room app. So download it today and create your profile and join the MLB group so you can get notified when I go live. Spotify Green Room brings fans together for the conference call they actually want because we're talking about sports. That's the Spotify Green Room app. They're changing the way that we talk sports. All right, let's get into this now because the Reds made a trade. The Reds got people. They got two relievers. We they're not the guys that you're thinking when they didn't go out and get Taylor Rogers, who actually hit the uh, injured list. Uh, I think it was just a couple of days ago for a problem with his finger strained uh, finger. Um, but it wasn't him. Uh, wasn't Craig Kimbrell. Obviously he, he's still a cub, but it was two guys who were interesting one for a far better reason, but we'll get into that. The reds have made a trade with the New York Yankees. They acquire right-handed relief pitcher Luis Cesa and left-handed relief pitcher Justin Wilson, and they send to the Yankees a player to be named later. Before we jump into the two guys that they got, a quick note on the player to be named later thing. That's where one team gives another team basically a list of a couple of guys. It's not a predetermined list. There's not any sort of rules to that. Mostly, it's minor leaguers. There's never really been a situation where the player to be named later is on the active 25 to 26 man roster. It's more of, uh, you know, guys in the minor leagues. There's definitely been some notable ones. David Ortiz was a player to be named later. Uh, there's been some other guys like that, but there's been plenty of guys that you're like, who? And they never really play. This will be interesting to see because Justin Wilson makes a little bit over 2 million, which now makes him like the highest paid player in the bullpen other than Michael Lorenzen. Uh, he's had an interesting career. We're going to talk about him in just a minute, though, because my the, the guy that I'm looking at in this trade is Sesa. Sesa comes into the Reds with an interesting profile this year. He does not allow hard contact. He is actually pretty adept at getting guys to hit weekly. And if you look at the nice little graphic that I've put up here for you so you can see it, uh, he's got a low strikeout and a high walk percentage relative to the rest of the league. That's something that you would like to see improve. Maybe something that Derek Johnson can help him improve on. Maybe not directly this year, but he has multiple years of team control. And then you look at the fact that when he gets into his pitches, he actually throws his slider the most. His slider is his number one pitch that he throws like 60% of the time. And he 
has a slider that breaks more vertically than it does horizontally. So it's going to dive under the bat rather than dive away from the bat and wipe out away from it. He throws it a bunch. He does not get hit very hard on it. He's given up some hits, but for the most part, he's been a pretty all right reliever. A guy that with that slider, he's got a good slider already. And Derek Johnson always preaches, be great at what you're good at. So I'm looking forward to see if he can make his slider even better than it already is. Maybe turn it into a strikeout pitch. You're immediately going to see the fact that his ERA is low. I don't want you to look at that and think you know who Luis Sesa is because his ex-fip says he's been getting lucky. His BABIP is lower than league average. League average is right around 290, 295. He's got a 260 BABIP, so that might come up a little bit. But what he does do is induces lots of ground balls. So the infield is going to be busy whenever Sesa comes to pitch. Like I said, he doesn't have a super high strikeout rate, and that's something that is interesting to note because it feels like a lot of Reds relievers really try to nibble around the zone and really try to pitch two strikeouts. Maybe they will be able to tweak something in Sace's game and add that to his repertoire and maybe cut down on the walks a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how that all works, but I am excited to see what Sesa can bring to the table. The other guy in this deal is interesting. Justin Wilson is 33 years old. He's a veteran. And Sesa is 29, by the way. I forgot to say that. Uh, but it's, Wilson has an interesting last couple of years. You look at these stats. This is from fan graphs talking about what he's done. He has an ERA in the twos, 2019, ERA in the threes in 2020. And now it's 7.5. Again, don't look at the ERA and think you know exactly who he is because his ex-FIP says that he's been getting unlucky. Part of that, though, is the fact that he pitches to fly ball contact. And he's been pitching in Yankee Stadium this year. And he's going to go from Yankee Stadium to Great American Ballpark. The differences are few between those two stadiums. They're both hitters parks. I'm going to be interested to see how they can work around the fact. The The one thing that I look at is that fastball velocity. I'm going to try and point to it. See, point to it. Yeah, right, right there. Yep. All right. The fastball velocity, it's down. He was averaging almost 95 last year, and now it's almost 93 this year. That's a marked drop. In fact, it's kind of comparable to Sean Doolittle. Justin Wilson's a lefty. He does throw his fastball 65% of the time, and the velocity is down. This is his pitch mix, and it's going to be a little bit small, so you might have to kind of squint in there. Four-seamer, cutter, slider. Basically trying to break away from left-handed hitters, but then if he has to pitch to a righty, that's going to be interesting how he mixes it in. But his four-seamer is getting murdered, absolutely killed, destroyed, hit out of the ballpark. He's given up a decent amount of home runs this year, mostly because he tries to pitch to fly ball contact. And if you look back at that fan grass profile that I have, pull that right back up. His homer to fly ball ratio which is right there next to the fastball velocity is really high. So maybe he's getting a little bit unlucky and that's going to come down a bit. But as a Yankee, he's had a rough year. He's only pitched 18 innings because of that. And he doesn't have a high strikeout rate. That's fallen off significantly because of the fall off in fastball velocity. 
So how do they work around that? How do the Reds fix that? We'll go a long way into the value that Justin Wilson will actually bring to this bullpen. I am very excited to see what they do, though, because they're both definitely better than Edgar Garcia. They're both definitely better than CNL Perez, Carson Fulmer. Um, there's, there's a list of guys who have been cycled through Jose de Leon, all that stuff. I'm looking forward to see what they can bring to the table. Here's the thing though. This is the start. This is the beginning. This cannot be the only thing. If this is the only thing, then the needle has not moved very much. If at all, this is what the reds need to do. They need to get one more big guy. So this is how they do it. Maybe they've got a trade for a big reliever in the pipeline and they're going to introduce it here in the next couple of days. Because if you get a big guy, if you get like a closer type dude and you add these guys, to Heath Embry, Lucas Sims, who hopefully the reports are, if all goes well in his rehab start, he could be back by the end of this week, early next week. And then um, you also have uh, TJ Antone obviously coming back and maybe Michael Lorenzen. <sighs> you might have something there. I don't know how long it's going to take Lorenzen to get back, so we might not include him just now. But if you get that big reliever coupled with these two guys, we could have something. These two guys alone don't move the needle. But it's nice to see them at least make a trade and get started because we thought they were going to stand pat. And don't get me wrong, the player to be named later kind of falls within the uh, realm of moves that they made this past offseason of, okay, we got this guy in a minimum. We got this guy in a minor league invite. We got this guy, you know, guys that were available for next to nothing. A player to be named later, regardless if that guy's career transforms into something, is kind of next to nothing. Like I was reading about the player to be named later and the trade that the Brewers uh, traded away CC Sabathia a, a while ago. Michael Brantley was the player to, to be named later. All of the players who were actually named in that trade didn't do anything. And Michael Brantley was the guy who really turned into something. You get that from time to time, but this isn't a situation where the player to be named later is going to be Hunter Green or Nick Ladello or Jose Barrero. I don't think it's going to be any of the top 10 guys. We're, we're probably talking about at best, like a top 20 to 15 range guy. And I don't think it's even going to be that. So the Reds probably made a really savvy move here. We'll, we'll have to see exactly who this player is that they sent to the Yankees. They have like six months, by the way, to decide that. So it's going to be a while before we actually know what the Reds gave up. But it's nice to see the Reds actually making a deal. We've got some relief pitchers, some new blood to turn through this system for Derek Johnson to work with. And I think that is the most exciting part about this is what Derek Johnson is going to do with two guys who actually seem to have at least a little bit of talent. I think Luis Sesa can really benefit from Derek Johnson, and hopefully he can do something with Justin Wilson. I'm a little bit worried that Justin Wilson is just Sean Doolittle, who actually happens to throw a breaking ball. We'll see. That's uh, time will tell. But the Reds have begun to make moves. Hopefully the keyword is begun. All right, coming up here, I want to talk about tonight's game. Tyler Malley is on the mound. He's got some work to do. I'm going to tell you what that is in just a moment. Before I tell you about that, though, I want to tell you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Bar none. Stop worrying about this or that or the other. Built Bar is at the top because it's made with 100% real chocolate. And its statistics are fantastic. Less than four grams of net carbs and sugar and up to 17, sometimes 18 grams 
of protein. They've got amazing flavors as well. They've been cycling in and out. They got carrot cake that cycled in. They've got salted caramel right now. They've got some great double chocolate, raspberry, strawberry, orange, great fruit flavors like that. And my favorite cherry bar. See, figure out what your favorite is today by getting a mixed box. It'll have all nine of the flavors and two bars of each of those flavors. So you can figure out exactly what you like in their lineup. Built Bar is amazing. And you can use the promo code LOCK15 to get that mixed box so you know exactly what you like. Promo code LOCK15 will get you 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And you can figure out exactly what I've been telling you for so long now that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 today and get your snack game to the major leagues. All right, tonight, game three of the four-game set in Wrigley for the Redlegs, and Tyler Malley is on the hill. He is still one of the most talented pitchers on this roster. That is not debatable. He has oodles and oodles of talent, and the future is bright. I'll say this, though. He struggled recently. Let me pull up one more graphic. I know I've thrown a couple at you today. This is Tyler Malley's last five games. A little bit of a struggle. You see his ERA has climbed. He's given up lots of home runs in the last five games. In fact, three of those five, he's given up two in each game. And you look at the other one, he had a lot of walks. In fact, that's been the biggest thing for him here recently is his pitch count. It's been getting up there. It's been going crazy. Something that he's been unable to really control so much because it looks like he's trying to nibble around the zone and and get a really cool pitch in there, which don't get me wrong, every so often he really throws a nice one. But there's lots of guys that he goes full with he's fighting against full counts he's fighting against you know maybe it's a three ball one strike count and he's got to work back from that and he's talented enough to do that but what I want to see tonight not only do I want to see a win obviously but I want to see him not get into that kind of trouble I want to see him be pitch efficient I've been saying that for his last couple of starts but I want to see Tyler Malley come out and really pitch to outs the infield a. Eugenio Suarez kind of has some good and bad days, but for the most part behind him, the infield is solid. See if you can get some grounders on that slider. See if you can pitch to some weak contact because here recently it's been, oh man, I'm falling behind in the count, so I got to get that four-seam fastball over, and then bam, that is when guys hit home runs. That is when he's been giving up the long ball, and he's really been bitten by it here recently. Now, his three starts against the Cubs this year, the Reds have all won, and that even includes the marathon 13 to 12 game in which Tyler Malley kind of got tagged really hard in that game by the Cubs. But he has been at least the catalyst to three wins for the Reds in his three starts this year. So how does he do tonight in Wrigley Field? Because the Reds obviously need to win because they won last night, but so did the Brewers. And the Brewers are playing the Pirates. So really can't lose anymore to the Cubs. They're seven games back at this point, and Tyler Malley needs to be that guy that helps them win tonight. I don't know what the Brewers, the Brewers could very well sweep the Pirates, so we might be looking at a wash one way or the other if the Reds win tonight and tomorrow, but you don't want to be looking at the Reds losing ground in this because I think we all know that 
mathematically they're not going to be eliminated when they fall down to double digits. But I think that we all understand that it's over if this gets to a double digit deficit of the Reds and Brewers. So how do the Reds respond to that? The Brewers do have a three game set against the Braves this weekend. So if the Reds can kind of make some, Hey, they got a shot, but it all starts tonight. And I know that from the players and coaches perspective, they're all going to be approaching it from a game at a time, day at a time basis. So focusing on tonight against Zach Davies, who is not a guy who pitches for strikeouts. He pitches for weak contact. Kyle Hendricks did that too. The Reds actually put up some runs on the board on him. It's just the bullpen can hold it. Can the bullpen hold tonight? Plus, something I forgot to mention, and I saw this on Twitter. I believe it was Nick Kirby who tweeted this out. Really encouraging thing about Sesa and Wilson is that Sesa last pitched on July 23rd and Wilson last pitched on July 22nd. So both guys are fresh and ready to go. I believe they should be on the team tonight. I'm not sure of the timing and how that all works, but I think they should be with the team tonight and ready to go. That means that there's going to be some roster moves made. I, I wonder, I definitely think Edgar Garcia gets sent back down to AAA. I wonder who the other guy is going to be because Wilson being a lefty, you're looking at either Josh Osich or Sean Doolittle as odd men out. I would think, I don't think they're going to send down another position player because they've already got 14 pitchers to 12 position players. They don't want to run with 11 position players. So I could see either one of Osich or Doolittle. Now Doolittle won't be set down. He'll just get designated for assignment. And kind of like I mentioned, Justin Wilson feels like Sean Doolittle in his pitch repertoire and the way that he's lost velocity on his fastball. So maybe this is the end for Sean Doolittle. I don't know. He actually got out of an inning last night. It didn't look pretty, but he actually got outs and didn't give up runs. So you like to see that, but I think we all kind of know that Sean Doolittle is not the most trustworthy dude in this bullpen. It'll be interesting to see how the Reds make those moves tonight. 805, Tyler Malley, Zach Davies, game three of the Reds and Cubs. Can't wait. I'll be tweeting all about it. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's, and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. Also, make sure that you are subscribed right here to Locked On Reds YouTube channel and that you follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Now, go check out the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. The NBA draft goat. Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Bill Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage July 29th at 7 p.m. But as for the Locked On Reds podcast and myself, That'll do it for us today. Make sure you check out uh, the NBA draft, like I mentioned, and Thursday, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I'll be going live on Spotify Green Room to talk with you about the Reds and this trade deadline. Thank you so much. I'll talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.